You're listening to a live recorded teaching of the Sunday Gathering at Proclamation Church in Nashville, Tennessee. We hope that this teaching reminds you of the love that Jesus has for you. To find out more about Proclamation Church or to support the mission and vision of our ministry, visit us at proclamationtn.com. Happy New Year to you all. Thank you to Trevor. Happy New Year, everyone. You guys should be really excited. I love uh, New Year's, and the reason why I love it uh, is because I am a fan of New Year's resolutions. I know not everyone are fans of those. Uh, I think oftentimes, uh, I think the older we've gotten, the more down we are on resolutions, Uh, and I think that's just because we've experienced life, and we're just like, you know what? I'm done with those. I'm I'm going to try to do better, but I'm not resolving to do it. Like, I'm, I'm good on that, right? Uh, but I, I love resolutions, and, I'm, and I think uh, once you hear the reason why I love it, uh, it might convict you a little bit, and you're welcome, because 2024, and I'm here for conviction, right? Loving, loving conviction, okay? Uh, this is why I enjoy uh, uh, New Year's resolutions. It's because there's something beautiful about us wanting and desiring this idea of redemption in our lives, right? There's something beautiful about that where you begin to realize, man, you know, I'm not all that I can be, but I'm willing to take whatever steps are necessary to get there. And that's beautiful to me. It's a, it's a, a glimpse of, of the gospel. And you never thought about that before until right now. And you're welcome, right? Remember I said healthy, loving conviction is throwing your way in 2024. I'm not pulling any punches, okay? Uh, but this is, but I enjoy that because we have an opportunity both personally and corporately to step out and say, you know what? Hey, I know and see where I can go and I'm not there yet, but I want to do whatever it takes to get there. And essentially, when you make that statement, when you begin to believe that for yourself, essentially what you're saying is like, yo, I want to end somewhere on purpose. I don't want to just like, you know, happenstance and an accident. I want to get there on purpose. And so as we talk today, as we look through scripture and things like that, I want us to really gauge what does it look like for us to truly have vision for our lives, especially as we step into the new year, and what does this look like for our church as a whole? Uh, spoiler alert, this is Vision Sunday, okay? I didn't tell you guys that. Uh, it's Vision Sunday, right? It's the first Sunday of the year. We've never done it before. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? Hey, why not? You know, new year, new us, right? Let's, let's do Vision Sunday and see if we can kind of get this happening uh, every year here at Proclamation Church. Uh, but if you are, if you've been with us uh, over the last few months, we've been sharing a little bit more and more about the vision, the direction that we believe the Lord is taking us, uh, and we want as many people as possible to join us in that vision. Now, if this is your first time, uh, this is your first time here. Uh, welcome. My name is Derek. Glad you're here. Uh, Happy New Year's to you too. Uh, I know as I mentioned this, you're like, I've never heard this before. Uh, but as I'm talking about this vision, this vision statement, yo, I want you to say, to ask yourself the question, okay, how might I be a part of this as well? Uh, but this is our vision statement that we believe for ourselves here at Proclamation Church, that we are going to be a diverse family of disciples on mission to see the flourishing of the church, our city, and the world, right? And when I say what I said earlier, that we want to be somewhere on purpose, we have to ask ourselves a question, right? If this is, if this is vision, right, this is where we want to go, uh, just like any, any good person should ask themselves the question, okay, that's vision, what's my part in it? How do I play a part in, in this thing here? And that's what we're going to look at, that's what we're going to unpack, but before we do that, uh, when you came in here, hopefully you got this 2024 ministry calendar, 
okay? If you did not get it, that's okay, uh, because as you leave out of here, I want you to grab it, okay? As you leave out the door, they're on the table right to your left, okay? I want you to grab it, because the reason why, like I said, we want to end somewhere, we want to go to the direction that we're going on purpose, and we've laid out how we're gonna do these things this year in here, okay? So if you open it up, if you grab it, you will notice that there is a note from Pastor Derek in there. Uh, that's from yours truly. I spent some time writing that, so I want to thank all three of you who are going to read that, okay? I appreciate that. Uh, that is my note to you. This is uh, things that I'm hoping for us uh, as a church, but you will notice in it, um, I'm also sharing a little bit of the direction that we're going as far as sermon series go. We've never done that. We've never put that out to you guys uh, beforehand. It's not that we don't have anything to hide, uh, but we wanted to at least strategically lay that out for you. Uh, and the reason why, two reasons. We want, to, we want you to see the direction that we're going, uh, but then number two, we want you to think strategically, okay, well, who are some other people in my life who might need to hear what's being preached those weekends? Maybe those are things that I need to hear, that I need to make sure that I'm here for uh, specifically, okay? So we want to lay that out. If you go to the next page, you see that there are two specific things that I want to draw your attention to, okay? There's some very specific dates, all right? The first section that I want to draw your attention to is our equip classes, okay? Now, you will notice that on the equip class, uh, it says February 3rd, okay? That's not a thing, okay? <laughs> There's not a date that says 3rd, okay? That's just a typo from your boy. I already know that it's there. You don't have to let me know, Okay? 2024, and I'm accepting peace only, okay? Don't, don't send me no grief emails, all right, and text messages. I don't need that in my life. I'm trying to grow, all right? Uh, so that's, that is neither here nor there. The reason why I wanted to draw your attention to the equip classes is because uh, all last year, we kind of paused. We didn't do any equip classes or anything like that, and so we wanted to get back to that. And the reason why is because we want to equip our family to look more and more like Jesus, okay? And so we are going to, uh, as regularly as we can, put more equip classes out. Uh, and the reason why is uh, we want you to look like Jesus in all areas of your life, okay? So what you're going to see is there are some equip classes that are specific to the stage of life that you're in. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of our very first equip classes that we're offering is what does it look like to disciple our children? There are some of you in here who's like, well, I don't have children. Well, that equip class may not be for you. But we're going to have some equip classes later on in the year where we're going to talk about things like diversity and race. We're just like, okay, man, that's something that I can step into, right? So we want to be thinking strategically about these equip classes. The second thing that I want to draw your attention to in our calendar uh, is the fact that we, uh, we're going to have uh, a Good Friday service. We've never done a Good Friday service here at Proclamation Church. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. The cooks are pumped about that back there. Uh, and here, here's why we're, we're doing this. I'm really, really excited about this. We are going to observe Lent as a church together. We're going to, uh, we're going to be sending out things, things that we could be praying together. We're going to be fasting together as a church. I'm really excited about Good Friday. We're going to lovingly challenge the church as a whole to fast all day that Friday. Then we're going to come together, I'm going to give you a little sermonette, uh, and we're going to break that fast with communion. I'm pumped to be able to do that together as a church in celebration of what's to come on Sunday, right? Because we know that he is risen, we ain't got to wait for Easter for that, right? He is risen, he is risen indeed, and we're going to celebrate that together as the family of God. There's a couple other things in those important dates, uh, special events that we want you to know about, Serve 615, Kids Week, all those things, okay? And we wanted to give these date, dates to you now so you can do everything in your power as much as possible to make sure that you're there for those. Where, because again, you have a life outside of Proclamation Church, right? Right, it's okay, you ain't got to be ashamed of that. I got a life outside of here, y'all try to make it my life, but it's not, right? <laughs> There's things that we can do that we do outside of the church. We take vacations, right? We hang out with family and friends, and we want you to do those things 
but we want you to plan around some of the things that are happening here in the life of the church. We want to make it a priority for you, okay? Makes sense, right? Like I said, there's a direction that we're going, and we want to get there on purpose. Now, that's the somewhat of the vision, and I've got more vision stuff that we're going to talk about later on. Uh, but like I said, we want to get somewhere on purpose, and it's like, okay, this is how we're getting there. We now have to ask the question, what's our part to play? Okay, if you flip to the back of that, you'll see if we're going to be this diverse family uh, of a diverse family of disciples on mission to see the flourishing of the church, our city and the world. If that's what we want to do, we have to ask ourselves a question. Well, how do we go about making that happen? Okay, there are four things that I want you to to prayerfully consider making a priority for you. Okay, Uh, if you were here with us uh, towards the end of the year, we did the sermon series called Because of Christ, where we see because of Christ, we're a worshiper, we're a family member, we're a steward, and we're uh, uh, we're a witness, right? And because we laid those things out, we are still emphasizing those things, that if we're going to be on mission, if we want to see these things, excuse me, happen, we have to be doing these things. We have to prioritize being a, a, a worshiper, right? What does that mean to prioritize being a worshiper? That means come and worship in person weekly. Basically, if you're in town, there's no other way to put it. Come to church. Come to church. Make being around the family of God a priority for yourself, right? Now, I'm going to say this. This is going to be a little awkward for people who are listening to the podcast or listen to this later on throughout the week. Listen, Pastor Derek ain't throwing shade at you, all right? Just letting you know you should have been here, okay? Uh, We want to make it a priority that we are here this week, okay? Because I want to say this as loving as I can, okay? I need you guys to hear me say this. There's online content. There's online ministries and online teaching. But online anything can never replace what's happening here in this moment. Where we have an opportunity, we, we just, we were able to just sing, right? In our singing, we're edifying each other, right? We may not, we may not all be on tune, right? But we're all singing, we're, we're edifying each other. We're, we're hearing the promises of God being sung to our Heavenly Father, but we get a chance to remind ourselves of those things together as the, as the family of God. You get what I'm saying, right? There's something beautiful that happens when we, when we do that. So we need to prioritize being a part of the gathering, right? Which then speaks to, number two, prioritize being a part of community. What do I mean by that? I wanna challenge you to live with an open Bible and an open life. I wanna challenge you to, to take community serious, okay? What do you have to fight for to be a part of meaningful community? Maybe that's joining a family group. And if you would say one, well, I'm not in a family group. Well, lucky for you, January 21st, after both of our services, we are going to have group link. Group link is gonna take place in our extra room right back down the hallway where you have an opportunity to speed date. Yes, speed date. Where you get a chance to see what groups are available out there, uh, see what some are closer to you, uh, that you know, uh, driving distance, all that good stuff where you have an opportunity to join one and be a part of one, okay? Now, you might say, well, you know, I don't have time to be a part of a, of a family group. Well, going back to what I was saying earlier, man, prioritize these things. Maybe there's some things in your calendar that you need to say no to so you can say yes to something like this, okay? If you're in a group right now and you would say that you haven't been consistent, man, make 2024 the year where you're going to be consistent to be a part of a family group. I, th- I think that's, that's a good decision to, to make for yourself, right? And you may say, well, I don't like dealing with people, Pastor Derek. Well, I will say that maybe we should all lovingly do what Michael Jackson tells us and look in the mirror, right? Maybe there might be something wrong with us. You know what I'm saying? Right? You got to figure out what that is. But get after it, right? Third priority I want for every one of us, right? 
prioritize stewardship. Prioritize stewardship. Uh, how are we stewarding our time, talent, and treasure? How are we leveraging those things that the Lord has given us for his glory? Are you actively using your gifts to serve other people inside the church? That's a great question to ask yourself because the gifts that you've been given, they're not just for you. They're nice that you got them. I'm glad you got them. But those are gifts that you should be using to edify the body of Christ. How are you stewarding those things for the glory of God? If you were here with us at the end of November, uh, we shared our, our budget report with everyone. And I came up after Rev Kev and I said, hey, I want you to take the rest of uh, November and the rest of December to just stop and ask the Lord when it comes to your finances, man, how are you using your finances to advance the kingdom of God? If, if you're not tithing, I would ask the question, would you consider tithing, right? And I, I told you, I let you guys all know that I was going to have this conversation with you at the beginning of the year. So first time guest, I'm glad that you're in here. Sorry if this is a little weird for you. Uh, but everyone else who says that Proclamation Church is home, now is the time to consider, okay, what does that look like? Rev Kev sent a, a, beautiful, a great email, and in it is, a, is an amazing graphic that kind of walks through what it means to be an initial giver all the way up to what it looks like to give consistently and regularly. And so I would challenge you to uh, point your attention to that, okay? And then finally, I want you guys to prioritize what it means to be a witness. Where Ask the self the, yourself the question, where I live, learn, and work, and play, how do I go to others in the same way that Jesus has come for me? Who's far from God but close to me that I have an opportunity to share Jesus with? That's what we want to prioritize, okay? Now, for those of you, if this is, your again, your first time, you're like, yo, this is a lot. <laughs> I've never been here before. I feel like you're, you're coming in hot. Uh, guy with the beard, I don't know what you're, what you're saying, right? I would say to you, listen, just be patient, right? I would love for you to kind of stick around and ask yourself the question, man, what does all those things that I mentioned, what does it look like for you personally? Because here's the reality when it comes to being a worshiper, a family member, a steward, and a witness. Yes, those things that I challenge the people of Proclamation Church to prioritize, but here's why I tell the people of Proclamation Church to prioritize those things is because that's what it means to be a Christian. If you are a follower of Jesus, these are just things that you're supposed to do. So if you're not doing it here at Proclamation Church, whatever church that you go to, I would challenge you, how are you doing those things there where you are? How are you making that a reality for where you are uh, in the life of, of that church that you, that you attend, okay? Uh, and if you're like, well, I'm still trying to figure out what church looks like for me, I'm you know, kind of shopping around, we'd love for you to come and check us out a little bit more. As a matter of fact, uh, February 16th through the 18th, we do this thing that we call the Weekender, where you have an opportunity to hear a little bit more about not just what you see, but why we do the things that you see here at the church. We'd love for you to be a part of that, okay? I put that in a calendar in the little ministry plan, okay? Uh, sweet, that was a long introduction, right? I'm not done, all right? Here, here's the thing, right? Like I said, we've never done a Vision Sunday or anything like that. So we have to ask ourselves the question, well, why, why start now? Why do we do, do that? Well, again, I've, I've alluded to this already, but we want to end up somewhere on purpose. We want to end up somewhere on purpose. Many of us, we don't, you don't just end up somewhere without some level of intentionality, right? You can, you, can, you can show up somewhere and be like, oh, you know, I was driving, I saw the sign, I thought this was great, or, you know, oh, I was hungry and it just so happened to be a McDonald's right there, right, and you just drive through, right? Sometimes it's just kind of happenstance, but if you want something to happen in your life developmentally, yo, there's purpose behind that. You have to make the decisions to see those things happen. So what's so interesting here is we're trying to ask ourselves the question, where do we want to go? Where do we want to go? How are we going to get there? Do you have vision for your life? 
That's that, and that's not rhetorical. Like if you're taking notes, write that down. Do you have vision for your life? Be- because here, here's the thing, right? Every single one of us, the Lord has given us like a slice of pie that we have to oversee, right? It's called your life. You've got responsibilities. You've got different people that you answer to or they may answer to you. You've got peers. You've got all these things. We have called to have dominion over specific things. Do you have vision over the things that the Lord has given to you? Are you stewarding those things well? Are you choosing to to maintain those things properly, right? What I want us to understand today is this, is to see that we need to have a need for vision in both the life of the church that we just shared, but then also for our lives personally, okay? And in order to see that take shape, in order to see that happening, we are going to look at Deuteronomy 30, okay? Uh, Never preached out of Deuteronomy. You're welcome, all right? Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses is actually preaching his final sermon, okay? Now, if you're familiar with the first five books of the uh, Old Testament, it's called the, Pent- the Pentateuch, okay? And essentially what the Pentateuch is, especially when you get to uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, is essentially uh, Moses' long sermon. This is a sermon series that he's walking through. And you think that, you know, you heard sermon series and you're like, oh, I thought that was cool that you guys do that. No, Moses invented it, Okay. Uh, and Moses is doing this sermon series, and he gets to Deuteronomy, and essentially this is like the climax. Uh, Deuteronomy 29 and 30 is like the climax of this, this big sermon series that he just went through. And so essentially he's like, yo, Leviticus and Numbers, I'm saying all these different things in it. It's weighty. It's a lot of material. Let me just summarize it all in these two chapters, Deuteronomy 29 and 30. Okay, And that's essentially what he is doing here. He's coming to the end of his sermon series, and we're looking at the climax of the sermon, and that's the vision that Moses has given to the children of Israel, and now by proxy, because we're reading it, vision to us as well. And what is his vision? Are you ready? Good. I'm glad that you're ready. This is what he says. Choose life and not death with your daily decisions. That's essentially what he says. He summarizes this entire sermon series by saying, yo, choose life and not death with your daily decisions. And many of you hear that and you're like, okay, (laughs) makes makes sense, right? And the reason why we kind of, you know, respond that way is because in our minds, we think of life and death a little bit more differently than what scripture lays it out. For us, we think of life as like what we're doing right now. Yo, I live, right? There's a day that's determined not to be morbid that that we're going to die, right? And when we get to that point, then there's death. We've experienced both things. But when scripture lays out life and death specifically, we see that he goes, uh, scripture goes a little bit deeper than just our understanding of life and death. In fact, when you look at the book of Proverbs, uh, you see the, the author is kind of, is writing a note, letters to his son, really. And, and as he's writing it, he, he depicts both life and death as these women, one of wisdom, one of folly, quite often throughout the book of Proverbs. And essentially, he says, yo, if you follow this particular woman, who's very beautiful, right, it's going to lead to life. If you follow this particular woman, who she's also very attractive, it might, might lead to death. And so essentially, you see these two different paths that the author of, of Proverbs is laying out. And so when we need to, what we need to think of when it comes to life and death, specifically when it's talking in Scripture, is to think about it in two paths. And we have a chance to choose life and, and, and following Christ or we continue to follow the way that we're going, and it leads to death. And so this is what Moses is laying out. Now, here's what's so interesting about this, okay? Right, these two, these two paths, all right? So first off, let me, let me uh, rephrase it this way. Let me ask it this way. When you think about these two paths when it comes to life and death, what path are you on right now? Where are you walking? 
right? And I think, I think many of us, we'd be like, oh, well, I'm following Jesus, so clearly I'm choosing the, the path of life. But what we've come to realize is then there are often moments in our lives where we still find ourselves choosing death. You ever wonder that? Why, why do you keep doing the same things that you said that you wouldn't do anymore? Why, why are you still back at, at square one in some points? Why? It's because our hearts naturally want to choose the path of death. And so I want to share this with you today, okay? I want you to write this down. Apart from God, our hearts will always choose incorrectly. Apart from God, we're always gonna choose incorrectly. How do we know this? Well, Moses says it in Deuteronomy 29, verse four. What does he say? He says, yet to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind to understand, eyes to see or ears to hear. He's like, you don't have the capability to do what you need to do, so you're always gonna choose death. Without God intervening, the children of Israel essentially are a nation without hope. And if they are a nation without hope, guess what, family? So is the same for us. Here's a mental exercise for us to do today, okay? How many of you guys have lied before ever in your life? Show of hands. All right, some of y'all lying right now. That's what <laughs> just letting you know, right? We, many of us have lied in here. How many of us have had impure thoughts? Okay, all right. How many of us have driven over the speed limit? All right. On the way here? On the way here. <laughs> Jeffrey, you can't say that. <laughs> but you're not alone. I'm sure everyone else did too. Here's the thing. You want to know what that reveals to us, right? Uh, we know what's right and wrong, right? We know not to lie. We know not to have impure thoughts. We know not to speed. But what happens eight times out of 10? We're doing those things that we know that we shouldn't be doing. We know to choose life, but we naturally choose death. Why? Because that's in our, that's, that's our, in our nature. We, we desire to choose wrong all the time. What this shows us is that we know what's right to do, and we choose not to do it every single time. And when we do that, Scripture is clear, it leads to death. It leads to death. And if it leads to death, why don't we just choose life then, Right? Well, again, apart from God, our hearts will always choose incorrectly. So here's what I mean by that, okay? I'm gonna break this down. It's easy to hear about the choice of life, but it's hard to choose it. It's easy to hear about the choice of life, but it's hard to choose it. What do I mean by that? I have grown up in church my entire life. I, I have. And here's what's so interesting about this, okay? Those who are relatively new to following Jesus and those who have been following Jesus their entire lives guess what? They both struggle with full obedience. They do. Why? Every single one of us, we are born with sin natures. Doing anything that goes against our nature is at odds with what we should be doing now. Anyone who's married or has a roommate can tell you that this has taken place. This is what I mean by that, right? For example, you put the toilet paper wrong on the, the, the toilet paper roll on the wrong side right? This is how dishes go in the dishwasher. It's supposed to look like this, right? I never knew, I never knew that I was a poor driver until I had someone next to me. Can you relate, right? I, I don't want to throw Rachel under the bus too much, but I'm playing. That's very wise. It's very wise. Essentially what I'm getting at, there's a way that thing, things that you do that's very comfortable to you that doesn't sit well with your spouse or your roommate, right? And it's, you're at odds sometimes, right? Let's, let's not act like, especially spouses, let's not act like that, you know, we got married and everything was hunky-dory and there's never any disagreements. Don't do that because now you're lying again, all right? 
We, we just have disagreements. There's a way that we want to do things that we want to see happen, right? And then when it's not going the way that we want to, there's conflict. But here's what's beautiful, right? I have now learned, right, to put the toilet paper roll on the right way, if there is a right way, right? There is a way. There is now. I know, I know, I know, I know, okay? There is a right way. To me, it's just, it's on, bro. Like, what difference does it make, right? But now there's a better way, a truer and better way, right? <laughs> and I know now, you know, for, for Rachel, she doesn't, you know, squeeze the toothpaste in the middle of the, the tube like a barbarian. Who does that, right? Go from the bottom up, right? And so she had to submit to some things, and I had to submit to some things. Why? Because we have love for each other. It's like, yo, I'm willing to go what's against the, the grain for me for the sake of you because my love for you supersedes what is, quote, comfortable for me, and vice versa. Guys, when we come to an understanding of what life really is in Christ Jesus, yo, what that shows us is my love's just been misplaced this entire time. I now have a love that really should supersede anything else. And it's like, yo, my nature wants to do this, but I don't got to go that route anymore. I don't have to pursue that thing. I don't have to chase that thing down. What are you tempted to run to thinking that, well, this is just natural for me. It's comfortable for me. This is good. It gives me pleasure. But in reality, it leads to death because it's revealing that your love is misplaced. What is that thing? Here's another reason why our hearts will always choose incorrectly. Write this down. It's easy to not be far from the choice of life, but yet we are so far away. It's a mouthful. What do I mean by that? This is actually uh, pretty easy for many of us, especially in the culture we're in. People say in the South that this is the Bible Belt. I would say that Nashville, we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt, right? We, we, we can tell you scripture left and right, up and down. We're, we're very familiar with the things of, of God. Many of us come to church because we know this is what we're supposed to do. We're tithed. We, we, we're busy with, with church work inside and outside of the community. But in spite of all that, what we come to realize sometimes in our lives, we are no closer to the things of God than we first began. It's a lot easy. It's, a, it's, it's easier for us to go through the motions of the church than actually truly being part of the church. We love listening to worship music. We love being under sound teaching. But then when we're called to go all the way in, when we look at the four lists, things to prioritize, they're like, ah, but, right? It's challenging for us. I'll give you this, but not so much the rest of it. We could be so close to the things of life, but so far away from it. And if you don't believe me, just ask Judas Iscariot. He had the truth of Jesus with him at all times and still chose opposite. Family, this is a scary place to be in. And if it could get worse, it does. <laughs> Our hearts will always choose correctly because, number three, it's easy to be close to the choice of life and yet be closed to it. What do I mean by that? Let me ask you a question. When someone told you about Christianity and the Spirit of God began to open up your heart to the truth of Christ and who he is, man, you were on this high, high, weren't you? It was fantastic. You were reading the word all the time. You were praying all the time. You were doing, going to church all the time. You were doing all these things. It's like, yo, I love doing this stuff. But then life happened, right? Things got really difficult. 
life threw a curveball at you, and before you know it, now you're like, yo, I've done all these things for God. How, how come you ain't working out in my favor the way you, I thought you're supposed to? You're supposed to give me these things, right? Maybe you have disagreements with God, God, what he's calling you into, what he calls you to give up for his sake, and because of these things, you get frustrated and believe that he isn't for your good. It's easy to hear but hard to choose. It may not be far, but we are. It may be close, but we are closed off to it. This was the people of Israel, and so it is with us, family. We're prone to choose death. So we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, how do we not choose death then? How can we, we reorder what we have, to, that we, what we love, to choose life instead? How can we not be far from choosing life and desire to be around it all the time? How can we be close to life and be fully open to it at all times? I said it already. But before Moses gets to the section of Scripture in chapter 30, he lays it out for them in verse 29, verse 4. What does he say? To this day, the Lord has not given you a mind to understand, eyes to see, or ears to hear. Essentially what we see this is we have the physical ability to do everything that is required for us to do. The truth of the matter is, plain and simple, we just don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. If we want to choose life, what we see then, family, is this. God has to step in and work in our lives in such a way that will enable us to choose it. Let me explain it this way. Moses lets the people know in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse six, what does he say? The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants. And you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live. He tells them first, Deuteronomy 29, four, the Lord hasn't given you the heart to do this yet. And so you're gonna keep on trying and you're gonna realize that you can't do it. But then he says, but the Lord is very kind and gracious to you and he's gonna give you the heart so that you'd be able to do it. Now the good news starts to come in, right? We begin to think, all right, well, as long as God gives me the heart to believe and choose right, then I'll be okay, right? Well, before we go too far down that trail, let me stop you. These commandments laid out for them and ultimately for us show us that we can't live perfectly. This is what I mean by that. If, you, if you've ever spent some time, and I know many of you guys started a Bible reading plan, you know, you're gonna read the Bible throughout the year, wait till you get to Leviticus and Numbers, right? You're gonna be tempted to do one of two things. You're gonna wanna quit because... It can be very boring. But as you're reading it, you're like, yo, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of laws listed out here that I can't do. I like shrimp. I gotta give this up to be a part of the family of God, right? There's, you see the civil law, you see the, uh, the ceremonial laws, you see the moral law, you see all these different things. Now, I will say, you know, when it comes to civil and ceremonial, we be like, yo, that doesn't necessarily apply to us. But this moral law, you begin to realize, yo, there's a lot of morality that God's expecting of us that we just can't do. And then you kind of get to the spot where you're just like, yo, where can I go then, right? As Moses comes to the conclusion of his sermon, he starts to get to the point here. He points to something greater, a greater hope than our ability to do things correctly or our inability to do things correctly. He points us to something greater. Family, he points us to God himself. He points us to God himself who will become life and salvation for us. That's why he says this in verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him. Why? For he is your what? Life. He's your life. 
You see, choosing between life and death means choosing the one who lived the perfect life, who submitted to the commandments perfectly for us. That was Jesus. Moses is giving us a foreshadow of what's to come. He's pointing them and now us to Jesus. Jesus would go on to fully love God, to fully obey his voice. He held fast to him perfectly. And when we choose Jesus, then guess what? His spirit dwells in us, and then we can begin to want to live these commands out perfectly. One of my favorite passages in all the scriptures is Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. I love it because this is, this is a foreshadow. Again, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'm going to remove your heart of stone, and I'm going to give you instead a heart of flesh. I'm going to place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Essentially, what we see in Deuteronomy and now in Ezekiel here is that being obedient to God is only made possible when we truly trust and believe what Jesus has done for us. Knowing this now, as we reread the passage at hand with Jesus in mind, we begin to see that these commands are not prerequisites to becoming God's people, but the results of having become God's people. You couldn't do it in your own ability, in your own strength up to this point. But now that you know Jesus, guess what? It's like, yo, I, I want to do the thing. <laughs> I didn't want to do the thing, but now I have the heart to want to do it. I was all about me beforehand. Now bump what I'm talking about. I proclaim Jesus, not me. And actually, I love this because Paul actually speaks to this very thing in Romans chapter 10. He, he's, he's laying out the crescendo of, the, of Deuteronomy 30 here. He says this, since Moses writes about the righteousness that's from the law, the one who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart results in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. What this is saying is that the, the gospel truth is this, righteousness for us is a gift. Most people think that salvation is something you earn. It's, it's easy to read a passage like Deuteronomy 30, choose life, choose death, and, and assume like, yo, there's something that I have to do. I, I've got to do the work here so that God would approve of me. And that's not what this is saying at all, right? What it's saying is Jesus has done the work for you. You don't have to be good enough. The word of faith that Paul talks about is that righteousness is a gift purchased by Jesus' blood, and he is giving it to us generously. The only thing we have to do is receive it. The only thing we have to do is take hold of it. This is good news for us. How is it made possible? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Family, Jesus defeated your sin, death, decay, Satan, the world, flesh, demons, temptation, sickness, disease. If you have faith in Jesus, you came up in here robed in all, in all that victory. And family, it looks good on you. This is, this is ours in Christ. And we didn't have to do anything. <laughs> the only thing that we do have to do is choose it. We say yes to it or we say no to it. We agree to go down this path with Christ or we don't. 
We need to understand that when we choose the path of life, though, ultimately what we're saying is yes to Jesus. We choose Jesus here. Here's what makes that so beautiful, okay? Number one, Jesus is life. Jesus is life. John 14, 6, what does it say, right? What does it say? I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me read it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Right? (laughs) Don't laugh at me, Sue. Stop. (laughs) I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one's coming to the Father except through me, right? That's what he says, right? Here's, Here's the thing. Nobody else in the history of the world can actually proclaim themselves to be life. We can all say we're alive. We've got breath in our lungs. But only one person in all of history can actually proclaim, yo, I'm life. And that was Jesus. That was Jesus. But here's the thing that's beautiful. Jesus isn't just saying that I am life. What we see is Jesus gives life. How can we say that to be true? John 10.10. One of my favorite passages in all scripture was to say, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what? I have come so that you could have what? Life. And have it abundantly. I'm not there yet, Trevor, but we're getting there. That you can have life. He gives life. Here's, here's the, the picture in mind here, right? We oftentimes say, oh, well, you know, Jesus, he came and, and saved me, right? I was drowning and he threw me a life raft. No, my friend, you were drowning dead. You were at the bottom of the ocean dead. And Jesus had to dive into all of your sin, bring you up onto the shore of his righteousness and holiness and breathe life into you. He saved you through Jesus. He gives you life. But here's what's beautiful. Trevor was trying to preach it for me, but here's the thing. He not only gives us life, he enriches your life. John 10, 10, what does it say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life to the what? Abundant life, to the full. This is what we have in Jesus Christ. That abundant life, you know what that is? That's flourishing. Hence why the sermon series is called Flourish. flourish. We have an opportunity to flourish because of what Jesus has done for us. What that means is he's not just providing us temporary things that's going to bring us temporary satisfaction, but abundance of things that are worthwhile in our lives and that are actually eternal. He completely changes everything about us. And what's so beautiful about this whole thing? Write this down. The choice to choose life, it's graciously accessible to every single one. It is. How is the choice gracious? What what does Moses say in uh, chapter 12 or verse 12? It's not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. Essentially, his meaning is not so mysterious or so lofty that you yourself can't grasp this truth. He goes on in verse 13. It's not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. What he's saying is like, yo, it's been brought to you. It's not some mystery has been brought to you. First of all, it's beyond dispute that God is a gracious God. Can we all just agree to that real quick? He's a gracious God. Because here's the thing. Yo, the people of Israel were annoying. When you look at the whole story in the Pentateuch, it's like, yo, y'all don't get it. You already have to be in the desert for, for 40 years, and you still don't get it, Right? We're not, we're not there yet, but that's why Moses hit the rock. He's like, yo, I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> it's so frustrating. But even in that, even in their frustration, even their annoyance, God is like, yo, you're still my people. 
I'm still gracious to you. I'm still drawing you out. I'm still calling you home. This is for you. It's graciously accessible. Guys, I don't know what you're dealing with in life, but let me encourage you. God is a gracious God who is totally and completely accessible to you. You just have to call on him. The choice of life isn't just gracious, though. It's amazingly simple. What do I mean by that? Moses continues by explaining that the commandment that is being laid out, he says, is not too hard and is not that far off. Moses essentially is saying, guys, it's simple. This is a really simple concept. There are a lot of things in life that are hard. However, this ain't one of them. He goes on to say this in verse 11, this command that I give to you today, certainly not too difficult. It's not beyond your reach. He goes on in verse 14 and says this, but the message, it's very near to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And you have an opportunity so that you can follow it. It's right there. It's ready for you to grasp it and obey. You want to know how we know it's simple according to Moses? Moses isn't talking to super Christians. He's not, I mean, there are priests scattered in there. He's not really, he's not talking to priests. He's not talking to just the leaders. He's talking to the entire nation of Israel. Regular folk, just like you and I. Regular people who miss the mark consistently. Moses saying, yo, you don't need this deep theological pedigree to get this truth. It is for you. It's simple. Do you trust it? Which leads me to the last thing. It's completely trustworthy. He says this in verse 16. I'm, I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, his statutes and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply. The Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to, to possess. That's a promise that we can trust. It's a promise that he laid out to the people of Israel. He's laying it out as plain and simple as he can. He's essentially saying, guys, look, if you, if you obey, guess what? There's going to be life. That's a promise. You're going to get all this life. There's going to be multiplication. There's going to be blessing. That's coming your way. And then he was so kind to show them how you obtain it. Loving the Lord. Trusting that the Lord is for you. Walking in his ways. Keeping his commandments. Knowing that the thing that he's laying out for you isn't going to steer you off in any way. Trust him. He literally just shortened the law for them. Love God, be obedient to him. Love that. Do what he says. But there's another choice on the table for us. Verse 17 and 18. If your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. Essentially what we see is one of the big if-then if statements here in Scripture. If your heart turns away, if it disobeys, then you'll die. If you do it, you're not going to live long. In the same way that he shows them how to obtain life, he follows it up with saying, yo, this is how you obtain death. And what we understand about the nation of Israel, guess what? What do they do? They regularly chose the not-so-satisfying route, which unfortunately communicates exactly what we do. Literally, right after Moses hands the baton over to the next leader, Joshua, we see later on, in Judges, specifically Judges chapter 2, it talks about just how wicked the nation of Israel became, becomes. It's like, yo, didn't, didn't Moses just like give the best sermon ever? <laughs> that was great. His illustrations were on point. He made as plain as day. It was great. I came, around, I came out with mad application points. But then they still dropped the ball. They still, they still missed the mark. You want to know what else we see, even when they did that? God doesn't leave them there. God's like, ah, you messed up this time, big time. That was a great sermon. You didn't listen to it. 
He knock you over your head. No, God is gracious to them. And he says to them, you're still my people. And instead of leaving you in this pagan state, I'm still coming after you. From the beginning, he shows you, shows us the choice that he lays out. It's graciously accessible. We don't deserve it, but that's the type of God he is. It's amazingly simple. All you have to do is trust and believe that he has done all the work for you. And all that's left for us is, as Trevor said, abundant life. And it's completely trustworthy. He will never fail us, family. The work is finished for us. All that's left for us to do is rest in it. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Some of you may be thinking, Derek, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. I don't know all the brokenness and the messy parts of your life, and you don't need to tell me. But what I can say is this. There is nothing that you can do. There is, as deep as your sin runs, God's grace runs even deeper. You cannot out the grace of God. That don't mean go out and try. <laughs> but even if you were to do something like that, you can't out his grace. Where there's sin, God's grace abounds all the more. And here's what's beautiful. In that grace, we see that there is forgiveness. Guys, we've all dropped the ball. We see story after story after story in Scripture from here on out of the nation of Israel just doing whatever the ham grits they want. And every single time, there's God's grace to them. There's God's forgiveness to them. This is the God that we have an opportunity to meet as we're extending our life, as we are deciding to choose between life and death, as we are laying out visions for our life, that we have an opportunity to choose life over death. So what's keeping you? Choose life, family. Because here's the thing, when you choose life, yo, marriages are restored. When you choose life, lives are transformed. When you choose life, that, that loved one who said, I don't want anything to do with God, they're seeing something in your life where they begin to ask the question, yo, what's going on there? I'm not saying everything is gonna work out the way that we may want to, but man, we can see flourishing take place. And so as we're seeing that in our personal lives, we have an opportunity to come together to bring that into the family of God, to see flourishing take root in our community, to the neighborhood, to the world. That is what we're called to do. Every single time we choose life is another opportunity to see people come to know Jesus. And so that's the vision that we're headed towards. It's the vision for your life. What does that look like for us as a church as a whole? Well, between now and May, we are going to be in this sermon series, this Flourish sermon series. It's really long. We're gonna break down the components of what it means to be a diverse family. We're gonna talk about what it means to see the flourishing of the church, the city, and the world. And right nestled right in between there, we're gonna have a sermon series through prayer because we can't do any of this without it being fueled by prayer. And I'm excited that we have a chance to look at these things together. Now, as a whole, we're gonna lay out, it's great to have vision, but man, what are we actually looking for? As we enter into each one of these sections in the sermon series, we're gonna lay out, yo, here's the goal for this. This is the goal for a diverse family. This is the, the goal to see uh, flourishing happen in our church, our city, our world, the church plants and missionaries and all these other things. These are the things that we're laying out. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we all in this together? Do we want to see this thing, these things take shape? So my hope is that we're all on board. But in order for us to do that, we need to pray towards that end. 
So this is what I want us to do here in this moment as we close. I want you to spend some time asking the Lord to reveal to you where the things in your life that you have decided to choose death over life. Where have you been holding on to this, going on this path where he's calling you back to life every single day, but yet you've regularly ignored, you've regularly ran after, you've regularly pursued the things that are not of God, and he's calling you back. I want you to, to take into consideration what those things are and ask him to, to forgive you. Repent, repent. And here's what's beautiful. When you repent, guess what? If you are found in Christ Jesus, forgiveness is there waiting for you. And it's that forgiveness that's gonna fuel our joy to do the things that he's calling us to do, okay? That's number one. Number two, if you're in here and you would say, well, you know, I've never even placed my faith in Jesus at all. You've heard all the beauty, all the beauty that, that comes with Christ in saying yes to him and choosing him. Today, you have an opportunity to stop running, period. To simply say, yo, Lord, here I am. Here I am, I'm, I'm tired of running. Save me, change me, transform me. Give me that heart because I have a heart of stone. And family, as we saw in Romans 10, as soon as you ask, if you confess, if you believe, yo, it's yours. And so you do, you do with God, meet with God in that moment. And then what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna close out uh, us in prayer. And then I've got one more thing that we're gonna do, okay? So you take the time and I'll close in just a second.